name's Mark, and I'm glad to uh, have the opportunity to share uh, his word, his truth with you this morning. Uh, as I was just reading uh, uh, earlier this morning, I just found myself in Romans, Romans chapter 5, just reading through the New Testament, and uh, it just simply says this, and it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You know, maybe you're sitting there this morning and feeling a little bit guilty, or maybe there's shame that's been a, kind of attaching itself to your life. Uh, you know, the truth is that God, he loves you, and he showed that, and he proved that by sending his son. He says, we've been made right uh, in God's sight by the blood of Jesus. He'll certainly save us from God's condemnation. But I love this, since our friendship with God was restored, since it was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we'll certainly be saved through the life of his son. And he just simply finishes it by saying this. So now, now because of all of that, we can rejoice. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Uh, you know, I, that just grabbed me again this morning that we get to rejoice in the relationship we have with him. And so I'd encourage you this morning to rejoice in that, to uh, enjoy the relationship that you have with him this morning, as we uh, jump right into the message, it's, 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 I think, probably jumped out to me this morning from his word because that's what he's been doing in my life the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you tuned in last week, you know we started a series where I just simply shared that God's been speaking to my heart through a series that I preached to our church four years ago. Uh, and I even listened to some of the audio from way back then in 2016. I was like, man, I could just hear myself telling it to people. You guys need this and you guys need this, not realizing that my heart needed it just as badly. And uh, this morning, fully aware of that. And as I uh, preached to myself this morning, have the oppor- you have the opportunity to listen in. I believe he'll speak to your heart as well. The series was called Adrift. And the idea of uh, being adrift, uh, we, we know about it, you know, in, in terms of boats being adrift, but we realize that people can be adrift as well. And the, the, the word adrift just means without purpose or guidance. It means being lost and confused. Uh, without purpose or guidance, being lost and confused or feeling lost and confused. I wonder, if you ever feel that way? I have. I've been there. Uh, I've been there recently, you know, in the last couple of weeks, just talking about perseverance, you know, don't quit, don't give up. And, you know, that, but that feeling was very much where, where I was and very much the words that I needed. And, and just uh, the challenge last week was to ask ourselves this question, am I drifting in any area of my life? Because we don't always realize that we're drifting. And the danger with uh, drifting is that it, it leads to danger, and it potentially leads to death in lots of areas. You know, you can drift in your marriage and not realize it, and then all of a sudden you find your, yourselves using the D word and wondering how you got there. You know, or maybe it's friendships that have drifted apart because of COVID, and you're like, man, I thought we were like fast friends and we haven't chatted. You know, I loved it last week right after the service. One of the, one of the guys who I used to hang out with quite a bit, he texted me and said, hey, you know, when you mentioned that, he's like, you, he's like, Mark, you came to mind, and he's like, I think we need to reconnect, and I was like, you know what? It's crazy, but you were also one of the people that came to my mind. And so we're, we're working on arranging our schedules that we have an opportunity to reconnect and, and, and cause the drift to stop, to intentionally stop the drift of that friendship. You know, it can happen financially. It can happen morally. It can happen as a nation. It can happen 
just in life in general. It can happen between parents and children. It can happen in all kinds of relationships. And, and truthfully, it can happen in our relationship with Christ. And that is what we wanted to focus on because that is the, the most important of all of it is that as a Jesus follower, if you drift in your relationship with Christ, we don't realize that that drifting is putting us in dangerous places and, and potentially leading to death uh, spiritually in our lives. And so, you know, last week we just looked at Jesus' message that he sent to the churches, the early churches, through the through the pen of a man named John, one of his followers. But now this was 60 years after Jesus had left the planet. And he, uh, he simply told the church of Ephesus, you know, we said three quick things. You can go back to last week's message and, and tune in and, and check that out. But he basically said, remember where you came from. And then if you're not where you need to be, repent, which means just change the way, change your mind about, what, about where you're at and how you're thinking about life. And then, and then he said, and redo. So remember, repent, redo. Redo the things that you did at the beginning. Come back from where you've drifted. You know, as I was preparing for this week, you know, I uh, was reminded of the, st- uh, of the story of Tasha Brown. And uh, here's a picture of Tasha Brown. Can I walk off without going off the screen? Now, there we go. <laughs> so this is Tasha Brown, or this was Tasha Brown in 2013. She was 20 years old, Canadian. She was out in Honduras, and they were uh, uh, taking a trip between two islands. As you see on this map here, you have the island of Utila and the island of Roatan. And, and there's uh, the span in between there is about 50 kilometers. And so so they were boarding in, on the one island to go to the other. And uh, as they left, there was nine of them on board, two Americans and six Hondurans. They, they hit one of the uh, famous reefs uh, that uh, surround Roatan and and uh, they got hung up there. And so the Honduran authorities actually had to come out and help them get uh, off of that, that reef. Uh, and so then they continued on their journey. But because of that little setback, they actually were set back quite a bit of time and didn't realize it was later now, later in the day, much later than they had planned to leave. But they're like, ah, we can still make it. And they went. Uh, the, the thing is that around sunset, they were only about halfway there. They're, they were kind of right in the middle. They could see both islands. And just at that point, they ran out of fuel. And it says as they, they ran out of fuel, they, they, it was, they could see the islands, they could see the lights on the islands, but they also didn't see any lights of any boats in the water and realized no one's going to find us, you know, just yet. And so they decided to go to sleep that night and they would wake up and there was ferries that go back and forth. There's lots of ships and, and, and uh, tour boats that were in that area. And they said, we'll just flag one of them down in the morning. But they woke up in the morning and they looked out and they couldn't see the island on the one side, nor could they see the island on the other. They couldn't see any land at all. In fact, they had drifted out to sea. And Tasha says it later in these words. She says, we, we realize that we have no water. We have no radio. We have no flare guns. We have no paddles. We have no nothing. They had no emergency beacon. They had no other safety equipment either on board this boat. They're totally ill-equipped to make this, um, make this uh, trip. And they began to spend a couple of days adrift, but realizing they had nothing left. The question is, what are we going to do now, is what they, she said. What are we going to do now? And they began to pray, and it was on day four, they said, you know, they began praying, and by day five, they had been rescued, and they publicly stated later, it was God who saved us. You know, we, we knew, we had done everything in our own power, but it was him who saved us. And they were found by a plane 100 uh, kilometers away from any land. Man, it was like that question, you know, realizing, wow, we realize we're adrift. What do we do now? And that's kind of what we talked about last week as you answered that question of, am I drifting in areas of my life? It is that awareness and realization that, oh, I'm, maybe, that, maybe that was your realization of like, yeah, I am adrift in some areas of my life. For me, I, was, I realized I was adrift in, in, in the areas of my life, including my relationship with Christ. 
adrift in that area, drifting in that area. And it's like, then the question, what do I do now? You know, this week we we said we chat about the words repent, change the mind. And, and I hope that as we look at his word today, it will help you change your mind about some of these really important uh, areas of our life. One of the things we have to consider is how and why did I end up adrift? How did, how did I end up adrift? Why did I end up adrift? When they talk about boats going adrift, they said the main reasons why that happens is, uh, number one, they don't pay, they're not paying enough attention. Second is they don't have an anchor. Third is they're ignoring warnings. And fourth, they run out of fuel. Those are the reasons why most boats go adrift. And people go adrift for the same reasons. You know, not paying enough attention, not having an anchor that, uh, to purpose in their life, ignoring warning signs from, from within and from without, and then uh, uh, running out of fuel. And, and I simply, so this morning, just want to look at that first one, that they, they failed to pay attention. And, uh, you know, I put it in this thought, and maybe this will be the, the thing that you take away, is to pay most attention to the things that matter most. To pay most attention to the things that matter most. It's a thing I'm wrestling with right now. Or, you know, to, to find out, am I paying most attention to the things that matter most in my life? You know, they say that most boating accidents where, like, drifting happens or, or um, running aground or, or collisions with other boats, most of those accidents actually happen on calm, clear days. You'd think it's the opposite. You'd think it'd be like when storms are happening, there was wind and waves. That, that's what's causing. But it's actually not that at all. It's when things are going good that people fail to pay attention. And right now, as we're going through COVID and, you know, there's all the, the things you read in the news and the fears and the terrors. Like maybe there is, has been that, that uh, rejuvenated sense of prayer in your life or connection with God. But as I look back, I think, you know, before, before COVID, things were pretty good. You know, things were pretty smooth and pretty easy for, for a lot of us. And maybe it was in those moments where the drift actually began. And I would say that that was true of me. You know, we often don't pay as close of attention when things are going well. You know, when marriage is going well, it's like, yeah, we don't have to put too much effort in. When things are financially stable, eh, I don't really need to watch the budget all that much. Whatever it may be, that's where the drift begins. And the writer of Hebrews like nearly 2,000 years ago, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, just writes something that's just been, was so profound then and yet remains profound today, and it is this. He says, so we must listen very carefully, or we must pay close attention to the truth we've heard, or we may drift away from it. We got to pay close attention to the truth we've heard, or we may drift away from it. We've got to pay, uh, pay most attention to the things that matter most. And to be honest, you know, the things that matter most in our life usually aren't things at all. Think about that for a second. If you were to say that these are the most important things in my life, most of those would have a name. They wouldn't be an item or a thing at all. They'd be the relationships in our lives. You know, the relationship with God or with our spouse or with our children or with our parents or with our friends. Those would be the things that we would say would matter most. And most people would agree with that statement. But my question is, do we actually live like that's the truth? Do we live our lives like that? Those are the most important things. We know they're the most important things, but do we live like they are? You know, Jesus gave us an idea of what we should prioritize as his followers. What should be the most important things in our life? You know, as he sat on a, a hillside, we know it as a Sermon on the Mount, as he spoke to the crowds, and we, we believe he, he would have shared this message multiple times with people. As this was his teaching. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first God's way of doing things and how to be right with God. But having right relationship with God and living in God's way. Lauren Daigle 
Beatles sings that song, you know, I'm going to seek you first. And it's like, yeah, I think sometimes we have that. It's like, it's a song. We know the lyrics, we know the words, but is it what we're living? You know, then he said too, the first commandment or, you know, when we was asked, you know, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, hey, the first commandment, the greatest commandment, the most important commandment is this, love God. Love God with all you are, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love him without all, every part of you. And they would have all agreed, yes, that is the truth. And he said, and the second one's on the same level, love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, be consumed with the idea of relationship with your heavenly father and with those around you. That's the first command. The truth is we can't prioritize everyone and everything. You can't. We, we don't, we, we're not able to do that. You can't have seven BFFs. You know, you're like, ah, oh, these are my seven, this is my posse, my seven BFFs. You know, you can only have one true best friend forever. You know, there's a second best, a third best, but you can't prioritize everything at the same spot. The realize we, uh, you know, we can't do it. But think about it, for instance, what do you value really? And maybe you're not sure, like, ah, you know, I, this is my list, but maybe you're not sure how to say, well, this is what I, actually value the way you measure it is how you is how you use your time how do you use your time because time we all get one of these in our lives we all actually get one of these every single day 24 hours of sand coming through that we can't we can't make any more of this it's the most valuable commodity we have because it's limited we don't get any more but we're given each given an amount to, to to do something with what are you doing with your time You know, that's your currency of how you show value for the most important things. You know, the other night we're sitting down watching a movie with our kids and uh, we had put it on a USB stick so we could watch it on our uh, Xbox downstairs. And then after uh, that, all of a sudden after the movie was over, there was another folder on there with these pictures that Beth had put on there. She was going to do some scrapbooking or something. And, and the pictures came up and as the first one came up, the kids were like, oh, look at that. I remember that. You know, it was, I think it was a picture of them under a tree in the winter with um, uh, mugs of hot cocoa and they made a snow fort and it was like, this really cool, uh, cool thing. And, and I'm like, ha, huh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. And then we went through the next one and it was like another photo of them. I'm like, oh, hey, remember when we did this? I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't remember that either. And I went to the next one. It was like, again, it's great memory for them. And they're all laughing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that either. And I was so glad Beth took the pictures. And I thought, man, maybe like I've got gray hair, but I don't know if I'm that old yet. Like, am I losing my memory already? And then, uh, as I mentioned, one of the things, I'm like, I don't remember that. One of the kids said, oh, that's, Dad, that's when you were building the house. And all of a sudden, as I went through the pictures, realizing again and again, that's when I was building the house, and that's when I was building the barn, and that's when I was working here, and that, that's when I was trucking, and that's when I, I was away for so many of these memories. And, and it, got, it got me, because I've heard other people tell me that. Hey, Mark, it goes by so fast, you're going to miss out on it. But to realize that, you know, those things are happening and where, where am I spending my time? Is, is my value truly on those things that matter most? Am I intentionally spending my time on what matters most? You know, because I, I think if, if we're honest, especially as men, you know, <laughs> fellas, I, I get the idea that, you know, work matters and we're hard workers and, you know, the career that you've been working towards, you got to pay and help, you know, fund the family. And, but how many, 
How many people have spent all of their energy on work and career and, you know, overtime hours and, you know, we're going to get the toys and we're going to get the stuff, but you end up, how many have ended up lonely and miserable at the end of their lives simply because by saying yes to all of that, they had to say no to extra time with their, with their spouse or extra time with their kids and the relationships are all train wrecks in the end. How many times, you know, do we put our, our, our spend our time, our currency on social media and spending so much time going through, you know, living our lives on the, on the feed and, 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 and sharing different things and interacting with people and posting these kind of things that, that cause controversy with our real friends. And, you know, it's not realizing that the stuff that we're posting is driving wedges in the real relationships that matter to us. And I see Jesus followers at each other simply because, they, you know, they're going to post about masks or not masks and, and missing the point of the gospel that connects us. You know that? <laughs> How often would we say we spent, invested all of this time in something that really, you know, doesn't matter? And finally, it's Christianity. You know, is it possible that Christianity, we've invested all kinds of time, you know, in studies and services and serving, but, but not actually connected to him in all of it? You know, maybe that's the thing. You're like, yeah, I did all these precept studies or I did all of these things, but it was just, it, I, it was disconnected from him. And you know, the truth is we could be doing this service right now without having this realization that it's all about him. And we don't want to miss that. I don't want, I don't want you to miss it this morning as you sit in your house party or you're watching online that this moment right here is about you connecting with him. You know, I think sometimes we, 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 drift from the truth of what this is all about it's easy to do you know for instance last uh, last night I was, or yesterday I was at a wedding uh, uh friends of ours Bryant and uh, Emily Green got married you know it's you know it's so cool to see a couple get married and we think about this thing called marriage but let me describe a marriage to you let me let me ask you if you would describe this as marriage you know what happens if after the wedding all of a sudden you know the wife's walking around she's like it's all about the ring she's like going showing her oh look at my ring look at how big it is look how expensive it is look how sparkly it is oh it's just like oh it's my precious right and and then her husband comes like oh let me take a look at it get out of my way you're in my light it's not sparkling when you're looking that close and it's it's all about the ring. We'd be like, ah, uh, no, something's not quite right there. Or what about the guy? And we know we'd never see this, but the guy walking around, he's got his marriage license in his pocket and he's at work and he's like, the fellow's like, you married? Oh yeah, I'm married. Look at right here. Here's the marriage license. Look, my name's on it. Her name's on it. Like, hey, do you have a picture on her phone? We don't need pictures of her. Look at, this is my marriage license. Look, my name's on it. You know, uh, I'm married. Or what about, you know, the, the famous story of, uh, the, the people who just simply said, I do. You know, this old elderly couple, they're sitting down on a rocking chairs, you know, years and years later. And the, the wife says to the husband, honey, why don't, why don't you tell me you love me anymore? And he just replies with, hey, I told you when I married you that I loved you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. We would, we would say something is missing because that's not, that's not what marriage is. Yes, all of those things constitute what a wedding and what marriage, how it starts, but it's not, it's not what a marriage is. Marriage is that, is that relationship. And if the relationship's missing, is it really a marriage? <laughs> so many of us, you know, and people I've talked to would say, oh, no, nah, there's, there's something more to that. And I think when we think about it, Christianity, is it possible that that's what's happened with our Christianity and our North American culture? 
you know, that, that it's become this thing of services and it's become things of like the, the peripherals. You know, uh, yeah, I went to the service so I can check the box. Yeah, I did my weekly, you know, house party, check the box. Yeah, I did my daily devotional this morning. And it's like you version on the thing. It's, it's almost set up that way. You know, you get to check a box at the end uh, when you've read through your devotional for the day. It's like, yeah, I did my five minutes. I'm good. You know, and it's like, uh, or I did my religious things. I said my prayers, you know. Uh, I, I said the prayer, you know, the one where I accept Jesus in my heart. So now I'm a Christian. I, I call myself a Christian. So, you know, I, I'm good. But have we drifted from the relationship with Christ? Man, it's easy to do. And that's why I love what I just read from Romans. That God has brought us into this relationship where he calls us friends of God would is that the thing that just that, that compels us? And for a time in my life, recently, that was not the case. You know what? It leaves you empty. It leaves you empty, but there is so much more to it. You know, last week we started this sentence by Stephen Covey, and maybe you can just finish it for me. It says, the main thing is... The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I trust you got that right at home as well. Thanks to Lily and Chris in the back here. You know, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And we said Stephen Covey probably wasn't written. Oh, Pete's smiling back there. He must have been whispering it as well. So, Pete, thank you. Um, So, (laughs) uh, you know, there's, speaking of distractions, there's lots of distractions that can take you, take your focus off of the main things. And I don't think Stephen Covey was talking about, you know, this relationship with Christ, but we see many who, who, who um, did speak of, of it in that way. And Paul was one of them. You know, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, it was a man who became a Jesus follower later in his life. And he wrote to other Jesus followers. And here's what he wrote in Philippians chapter three. He's actually, you know, he's actually had started by saying, you know, I was really proud of who I was as a person. I was a Jew. I was, went to the best schools. I was, I, I kept all the, the law. I was like the, I was like as good as a, of a Jew as you could be. And then he says this, verse seven, I once thought that these things were valuable. I once thought it was all about these things. I thought that was the, that was what was valuable. That's what, that's my life was lived to achieve. He says, but now I consider that all worthless because what Christ has done, what's he done? Verse eight, yes, everything, all those things, they're, they're all worthless. When I compare it with the infinite value of, what's that word? Knowing, not you know, knowing about, not, you know, serving Christ, not becoming a Christian, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else, it doesn't matter. What really matters, the main thing is knowing Christ Jesus. He says, for his sake, I've discarded everything else. I count that all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And, you know, if you look at those words, it means it can gain his, his, uh, um, his approval, his relationship is actually that the idea of those words, gain Christ gain his fellowship, and, and become one with him. And he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous, or I become right with God through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on that kind of trust. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. In that word, know, it's actually an idiom for sexual relationships. Uh, it, it's that closeness. He's like, I want to be intimate 
with the God of the universe. I want him to know me. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that one way or another, I'll experience a resurrection from the dead. Paul's simply saying, you know, through you read between the lines, man, my priority, my main thing is to know him. It's to know Jesus for myself. And as I realized, as I read through this, I've, you know, years ago memorized the first three chapters of Philippians. Can't quote it all now, but I've spent lots of time on these verses. I've preached about these verses before. And I feel almost like I, I shared that with others and shared it with this idea of, hey, this is, this is what Paul said. This is what we should ascribe to. But, not, but, but missing the actual point of it. It's like it sets it up like, hey, here's the goal we should be reaching for, but not giving the steps on how to get there. You know, someone asked me this week, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? They texted me, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for that. It made me think, and I was like, you know, I, I, I had to answer. I'm like, I, there's, there's too many. I don't know that I have a favorite. But this week, you know, in the past couple of weeks, one that's been, been there has been this one. You know, this, this, uh, this Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I don't know if the second part is really my favorite part of the verse. I don't know that I'm really wanting to suffer for him or with him. I don't know that I'm wanting to share in his death yet, but I want to know him. I want to know him. I think, you know, that sounds a bit utopian and ideal. And maybe you're like, yeah, but what's the real and can it be realized? Maybe you feel adrift from this idea of, yeah, that's not my passion as a Jesus follower. I'm like, I want to go to Kingsway and I want to like do my devotionals and whatever. I'm good with that, but... I feel like this knowing Christ, I feel like maybe I'm adrift from that as well. And I think with the words of Tasha Brown, what do I do now? If we find ourselves there, what do I do now? Because we can just say, hey, this is what you should do, and this is where it should be, and then believe you. You know, for myself, that's been my question. What do I do now? <laughs> A few weeks ago, I was like, what, did you just quit? Did you just stop? Did you just give up? Something on the inside, Holy Spirit just again saying, nah, let me bring you back to where you need to be. And so uh, I've been working my way through a book, a book called um, Emotionally Healthy Leadership by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. And actually, I uh, was at a conference um, four or five, well, a few months before COVID. Um, and it was actually um, at that conference where I heard Pete speak and I, it just a short little blip. And I was like, there's something about this guy that I need to know more. And so I went to um, his little uh, uh, small group session later and I listened to him again. I was like, man, and he was selling this book. And I'm like, I don't buy books at conferences anymore because I never read them when I got home. They just end up on my shelf of conference books. So I'm like, I'm not going to buy his book. And I went home. And I just, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I'm like, man, okay. So I went on Amazon. I was like, oh, it's more expensive now, but I bought it anyways. And I began to read through and then I got through the first number of chapters and then COVID hit. And so it ended up on a shelf. And a couple of weeks ago, just felt drawn to read it again, opened it up to where I was. And it was this chapter simply called slow down for loving union with Christ, slow down for loving union with Christ. And I haven't been able to get out of that chapter, been rereading it and rereading it, slowing down. What's loving union? Loving union is to allow, to lovingly allow God to have full access of my life. To just lovingly allow God to look in here and do what he wants to do in here, that I might know him, that he might know me. Because sometimes we know all about God, but we don't give him access to know us. We don't really let him in there. So Pete talks about how being a leader and how life in general is just busy, 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 busy. And maybe you know it. And then he gave this test you can take of, you know, how are things going in this loving union in your life? And I was like, fail, 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 as he mentioned all, all of these things. 
You know, as I've just been reading through, I, I just wanted to share real quickly four of the things that he mentions there. Um, and I just put them with a letter S to start, so hopefully you can remember them, but maybe just jot them down. Number one was study. Study. And not do studies, Bible studies, and more studies in the work, because many of us do that already. Uh, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm paid to do that. That's, that's not what this is about. It's like, do I study just to know him? Do I study his word to know him? That's why I'm in it. Not to, not to write a sermon, not to write a devotional, not to check a box that said I did it, but to simply say, God, I'm pouring over your word because I want to know you. That the word became flesh, that that is Jesus, that his word is powerful and alive and living. And I just want to know you. I want to experience you. I don't want to be Bible smart and spiritually weak. I don't want to put in hours of study and feel empty inside. I want to know you. How about you this morning? The second was the word Sabbath. Sabbath's not a word we use, but it's not, and it's not the idea of keeping a day. You know, well, we're going to worship on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, the, and you can with us. We do Saturday and Sunday. But the idea that it would be time of rest with him. Study to know him, Sabbath to rest with him, just to take time with him. When I was a kid, man, I remember that like stores and stuff weren't even open on Sundays. You know, everybody kind of got that idea that everyone needs a rest. Now, that's so foreign. And even with COVID kind of going over, getting to spot, I know some of you are working seven days a week and it's work, 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 work. It's we have that thing of no, I'm going to slow down and say no to some of that stuff to take some time. And third was silence, silence to hear him. Study to know him, Sabbath to rest with him, silence to hear him. I don't know about you, but I hate silence. I used to tell our worship team, no pauses between the songs. I don't like that awkward silence. You know, and they encourage us in this book, spend 20 minutes in silence just in the presence of the Lord. Just that. Just simply not, you know what happens? It changes our prayer. Because our prayer can't be, oh, God, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I want you to do. Because you're just silent. Just in his presence, allowing God to be God and you to be you. It's like, man, when they ask, how often and regular is silence a part of your life? I'm like, zero. And then finally, solitude. Solitude just to simply be alone with him. To be with him. Just to be. You know, solitude is something we don't really do much of in our culture. It's always like I got to get around other people, especially for me. But that idea of being alone on purpose, knowing we're not actually alone. And I see it in the life of Jesus. And I didn't really recognize it till now. But look at Jesus. Busy, busy, busy with ministry. And then what happens? You know, the feeding of the 5,000, that was some hefty work. You know, it fed 5,000 people, taught 5,000 people. And immediately after he leaves to find a quiet place to pray. Just go, solitude. And then ministry and solitude, it was the rhythm of his life. And I'm like, man, that needs to become the rhythm of ours, the idea. And, you know, as you think about these things, you know, studying to know him, Sabbath to rest with him, silence to hear him, and solitude to be with him. This is not a new checklist where you're like, okay, I did all the things. It's just putting yourself in a place that you might know him. And you think, wow, that's going to take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, and that's where it is. There it comes right back again. It is it's that thing of time. It's uh, so easy to make ourselves busy even with good things. But is that, is, are we drifting from the main thing as a result? You know, uh, this thought, sometimes we're going to have to say no in order to know. Sometimes we have to say no in order to know. 
talking with a guy this week. He puts 100% into everything he does. You know, he's getting married in a couple of weeks and it's, it's just all about 100% to this, 100% to this, 100% to this. And, you know, you, uh, Sarah, with him, you know, you, once you get married, you're going to realize you don't have the ability to put 100% into everything and do everything well. You can't be the best husband, a great parent, a great golfer, a great hockey player, a great overtime worker, a great Netflix watcher. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. If you say yes to something, you're as well saying no to something else. And I hope in our hearts and in my life that I'm saying yes to the right things and, that, uh, and not saying yes to things that cause me to say no to my main things. And so as we close this morning, here's a thought. I just want to say that as I'm working through this, and maybe it's awkward for you to watch and whatever, but I realize, you know, say, say you know, I'm not there yet. I, I'm not, I haven't figured it all out yet. And, and I, I'm coming to the realization that this may be a lifelong process of just slowing down to know him. And I believe it could be the similar for you because it's not just me that feels that way. I realize Paul felt the same way. Philippians chapter 3, he finishes it by saying this. Verse 12, I don't, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. It's just what he had talked about, knowing God, that I might know him, that, that I might know him. He says, or that I've already reached perfection in this area. He says, but I press on to possess the perfection of which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He's like, I, I'm, I'm still going after the reason why Jesus grabbed me, which is to know him, relationship with him. No, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive that heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What is the heavenly prize? It's not streets of gold. It's to be in the presence of God without ever having to leave. That is what he is calling each of us to, that our Christianity would be relationship with him because otherwise it doesn't matter at all. Services, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. It's all fruitless. We talked about that last week. And so I, I want to ask you this question. Maybe you feel the same way as me. Would you take a minute to evaluate your life, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, your parenting? And would you evaluate your life with Christ? Is it healthy? Is it a life-giving relationship? Or has it drifted into a routine of religious activity that we do and how we do it? This morning, if you're not a Jesus follower, maybe somebody told you, hey, you should watch this. And, you know, you've watched up till now. You're like, I don't know what they were talking. Why did they tell me to watch this? And maybe you're curious about Jesus. And you're like, man, I think he's a good person. But, like, I don't know how that guy affects my life today. Or, but, you know, I think when we look at our lives, you know, we realize that if we're honest, that none of us is really good. That there's always this, we're making up. We're always trying to make up for something that's lacking on the inside. Whether it's what we do externally, what we buy, whatever. There's this void in there. And maybe you feel it too. And you know, maybe you look at life and like, you know, one guy was saying to me this week, oh, you're such a good person. I'm like, you don't know me. It's not, if there's anything good I do, it's because of Jesus. Because none of us is good down in there. We might try and cover it with doing good things, but deep down in there, it's not good. And you know, that's what Jesus came to fix. He realizes that each and every one of us, we would admit we're sinners. We're apart from God. There's a disconnect. The relationship is it's, it's not happening. Me and God, I think we're at odds. And, and this is what Paul said 
In verse 9, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness, my own good works, my own attempts. He says, I, to, to try and keep the rules or be a good person or be religious. He says, I don't count on that. That's not what it's about. He says, rather, I become righteous. I become right with God through trusting Christ, through faith in Christ, through putting my trust in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on that trust. And this morning, he's inviting you to do the same, to simply put your trust in him and start that relationship with him. And my prayer is that you never drift from that relationship. It's not about where you go to church. It's not about whether you keep all the rules. It's not about any of that stuff, whether you're perfect uh, after this moment or whether you said the right prayer or wrote your name on a book or on someone's list. They engaged in relationship with Christ like Gary talked about at the very beginning of this time together. And finally, you know, there's a lot to gain in knowing Christ. That's why Paul said everything else and doesn't matter. And to know him, it's all about that. But there's a lot to lose by not knowing him as well. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. Because we all die. We will all lose our lives. There's no way we can hang on to them. And he said the idea if you try and make your life the most important thing in your life, he says you'll lose it. But if you give up your life or give up trying to be all about making your life matter, he says if you do that for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, he says you'll actually save your life. He says in verse 36, and think about it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? If you gained everything there was to gain, but in the end, you lost you. He says, what does that benefit you? And then finally, that in, in, in a different translation, says, what would a man trade for his soul? If you said, man, I pursued all of this stuff, and in the end, came up empty. I pursued all the overtime work, and in the end, ah, man, I lost my marriage and relationships and my relationship with my kids. I pursued all of this, the religious activities and to know scriptures and whatever else, but I didn't know Christ. What will you trade in the end? And I can bet you, you'd stand there and say, I'll trade everything I gained to know Christ. I'll trade everything for my soul, just like Paul stated. Man, something to wrestle with, something to think about, something that not a prayer can just sort of solve at the end of this. And I encourage you to, you know, as we give you a few discussion questions to think about in your small group today, if you're at the house party, maybe, you know, if you don't know each other well enough, you may not be able to answer these questions together in a group. Maybe you can, but I'd encourage you to, to answer them for yourself either way. Number one, what's your favorite Bible verse? It's a good thing to think about. What's, what's, and maybe it's what's your favorite Bible verse today because it's something that's grabbing you recently. Secondly, what jumps out to you from today's talk? What kind of pricks your conscience or your heart today from what you heard? Because I don't think it's just for me. <laughs> So what pricks your heart? And finally, what might be some things that you need to say no to that are keeping you from saying yes to the main things? What are some things you may need to say no to that are keeping you from saying yes to the main things? Can I pray with us? Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you don't leave us adrift. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your church, your body. Thank you for these friends and relationships, these different things that you use to point out in our life what we need to hear. Thank you for your truth. This morning, I just pray for every person listening. God, you know you know where they are physically, but you also know where they're at on this journey with you. Holy Spirit, I pray as our ears are open to your voice, would you prick our conscience this morning? Would you reach into our hearts with what you desire to do in us to to draw us to the place where we know you? Father, I pray against any of those distractions or the shame or the tactics of the enemy that try and hinder people from taking that step back towards you. 
Holy Spirit, would you help us not to lose sight of this relationship? What a joy it is to know you. Grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Thank you again for giving your life for us, for saving us, for changing us, for the hope we have as a result. In your name and because of you that we pray. Amen.